0: Today is Saturday, October 8th,
1: 2022. Do you suffer from gear acquisition syndrome? I know I do. Buckle your seatbelts and welcome to this edition of the Electric Guitar Lives Podcast with Pete Williams. A fun and pithy celebration of the electric guitar, guitarists, related gear, and industry news from a seasoned guitar pro. Get your daily dose of all things guitar from an industry insider with over 20 years in the proverbial trenches. Be regaled with sordid tales of guitar and guitar news, amps, effects, artists, moodiers and the interesting people that make up, up this, this wacky, wacky machine. machine. So wind down with us as we cap each week off with a fresh out of the oven episode. Who knows what will happen? Maybe you'll laugh. Maybe you'll cry. You might even learn something. Yeah, maybe you won't. But one thing's for sure you'll be entertained. So hang with us for a bit. And thank you for joining us on the Electric Guitar Lives Podcast. Now here's your host, Pete Pete Williams. Williams.
0: So here's an interesting article. This one actually made me chuckle. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be chalk like but I don't know why this one made me laugh. Uh, it's from Guitar World, and the headline is Straight male guitarists play, ex- play extreme metal to impress other men, study suggests. Research suggests extreme metal, guitar- <laughs> extreme metal guitarists aim to build technical skill to compete with their peers and improve social status. The article goes on, and I quote, It's a long-standing cliché that budding male guitarists pick up the instrument in order to improve their chances of success with women. And while many start playing for personal reasons, like improving mental health and life satisfaction, the cliché almost certainly holds up for many aspiring players. Sure, being able to play guitar is a pretty impressive skill to those not versed in the six string." Anyone who's grabbed the acoustic guitar in the corner of the room at a party and started strumming Wonderwall will attest to the rapturous applause and crowd participation that so often follows. But what if it's not just women, heterosexual, male guitar players who are trying to impress? Now let me just stop there. Wonderwall? The article goes on. Naturally, there's not a whole lot of research into the sexual and societal motivations of for aspiring male guitar players, but thanks to a convenient study which looks exclusively at those who take up guitar in the extreme metal vein, we now have a <laughs> we now have a better understanding of the motivation of those in one genre at least. The study, entitled "Extreme Metal Guitar Skill: A Case of Male Male Status Seeking, Male Attraction, or Byproduct." authored by Tara Delecci, Fareed Pazuhi, Anna Zala, and Todd K. Shackelford, suggests that heterosexual extreme metal guitarists, for the most part, don't play to increase their mating chances, but rather to show off... (laughs) (laughs) to (laughs) To show off to other straight male guitarists. I can't believe I'm reading this article. I feel like Guitar World is trolling us. The article goes on, and I quote, The study was, in fact, published earlier this year, but was recently brought to public attention when the quite interesting Twitter account, managed by the team behind British TV show QI, wrote, Research shows that heterosexual men who learn to play extreme metal, <laughs> extreme metal guitar are mostly motivated to do so in order to impress other heterosexual men. <laughs> A sample group of 44 heterosexual males were surveyed for the study, which explored the reason behind investment in technical guitar skills by taking a look at their practice habits, sexual behavior, and feelings of competitiveness towards other men. The results of the study indicated that time spent playing chords predicted desire for casual sex with women, whereas perceptions of playing speed positively predicted intrasexual competitiveness (laughs) in plain terms a wish to impress other men man the picture that they got here of Donnie Burbage of Cradle of Filth that goes underneath that last passage that I read on the article on Guitar World man chef's kiss on that one the article goes on the study does highlight though that extreme metal is heavily male-biased not only among the individual that play this style of music, but also among the fans of the genre. Therefore, it continues, it is unlikely that extreme metal musicians are primarily trying to increase their mating success through their music. However, musicians in this genre heavily invest their time in building technical skills, e.g. dexterity, coordination, and timing, which raises the question of the purpose behind this costly investment. It could be that men engage in this genre mainly for status-seeking purposes, to intimidate other males with their technical skills and speed, and thus gain social status. So there you have it, guys. Millions of years of evolution and heterosexual human males are no longer chest-beating, but rather turning to electric guitar, shredding to show supremacy. Those of the extreme metal persuasion, at least. We stress that 44 participants is rarely a sufficient sample size to confidently draw conclusions as to the motivation of Extreme Metal's many thousands of guitar players. But the study certainly makes for an interesting insight. I actually think this is a great article, Uh, and it's interesting. You know, interesting is good. Uh, different perspectives and this kind of thing you know I mean really if they're going to go down this rabbit hole it's probably not limited to just extreme metal I mean you know if you're in this ballpark of thinking I mean really take a step back and look at the industry as a whole starting from the you know the 60s 70s 80s that period there where there was a lot of you know Chest beating and this type of thing. Certainly, the electric guitar and the headstocks are, you know, very symbolic. I mean, it's, you know, phallic symbol overkill. Depending if you got a reverse headstock, you, you know, I, I won't get into that. That's not what the show's about. But <laughs> it makes for interesting conversation. And now here's a promotion from our show sponsor, Making Music. Hey there. This week we have a promo going on between now and Friday, December 2nd, 2022. Our generous sponsor, Making Music, is offering up not one, but two chances to win two boutique guitar effects pedals from One Control by Bjorn Jewell. All you have to do is subscribe to our email list, listen to the podcast between now and Friday, December 2nd, 2022 for the winning announcements. Two lucky listeners will get a chance to own a One Control Fluorescent Orange Overdrive or a One Control Baltic Blue Fuzz Pedal. To enter, please visit ElectricGuitarLives.com and click the One Control Guitar Effects Giveaway link. So, this is easy, guys. Just visit ElectricGuitarLives.com, click on the uh, One Control Effects Pedal Giveaway link. Um, get some more information about the pedals that are being given away. Sign up for our news list. That's it. So And listen to the podcast. So you listen to the podcast between now and December 2nd. Sign up for the email list. We promise not to spam you. And, uh, and that's it. That's all you got to do. And you'll get a chance, two chances, uh, to win a Boutique Guitar effects pedal. Now here's a demo of the Baltic Blue Fuzz. Here's a demo of the Fluorescent Orange Overdrive. other news and this is coming from blabbermouth.net Zach Wild launches instructional guitar course called the Zach Wild Berserker Guitar Camp and here's a quote from the article as teased over social media this summer guitar icon Zach Wild is putting on his instructor hat and offering musicians a chance to learn guitar from the man himself Taking a break from his guitar duties with Black Label Society, Ozzy Osbourne, and Pantera, Zach has partnered with the team at Riff Hard, the world's best online school for rock and metal guitarists, according to a press release, to create the Zach Wild Berserker Guitar Camp. The online course, it is not really a camp, is suitable for guitar players of all levels from beginners to advanced guitarists. Zach teaches his signature techniques like pinch harmonics and vibrato, as well as many of his most famous songs and solos. He's joined by Black Label Society guitarist uh, Dario Lorena to round out the course with his own perspective on how to replicate Zach's style. Zach Wild Berserker Guitar Camp is now available for pre-order pricing of $79 until October 4th When the course moves to the full price of $99, go to ZachWildGuitarCamp.com to order now. You know, when I think of Zach Wild, I always think of his his pentatonic playing, yeah, his pinch harmonics. Uh, But one thing, uh, if you've listened to Black Label Society, you know, the guy's actually a really great uh, songwriter too, I feel. And uh, that would be cool if he taught some um, taught something about that and his approach to writing songs because if you listen to some of that stuff I mean the songs are really I mean they're killer uh, but they're really well put together tunes I feel um, and his his lead playing is the cherry on top so hey if you're a Zach Wilde fan and you want to get it from the man himself uh, sounds like the Zach Wilde berserker guitar Camp <laughs> is for you now here's another excerpt A little bit of news from Boutique Guitar Effects Builders, Cattle and Bread, out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, Let's see, I've owned one. I had a Galileo, uh, excellent pedal uh, that I used with a Brian May guitar that I had um, to try to get that, you know, that Brian May tone. Very, very nice pedal. Very well made. I think I had another one too at one time, but I forgot what it is. Great company. But uh, they just recently released, um, well, I'll quote the article that's on Guitar World, which is, Catlin Bread gets in on the minimalism hype with one knob Elements pedal series. It's a high gain debut for the Elements family, which comprises no-nonsense, fuzz, overdrive, and distortion pedals. These things are going for about $150 a piece. Now, they're calling these things minimalist because JHS did their 3 Series, that, which, you know, they don't have any graphics on them, so if you want to call it minimalist, they're still really broad-range pedals, and they, they do their individual jobs. I think that's what they're doing here. I wouldn't go as far as to call it minimalist. I mean, maybe so in this day of, like, you know, these... Uh, Multi effects pedals that are out now, which you know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But uh, Lee C's have kind of a design on them—a kind of scaled-down design, which is kind of cool. Uh, I'm going to leave a link to the article as well as a video demo, so you can check these things out. Uh, I've watched the video, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. And you know, Catalan Brad's a great, um, great. Pedal builder um, so they're definitely worth checking out and you know if it fits into your uh, signal chain, you know uh, might be worth taking a look <laughs> the world's greatest electric guitar that's a bold statement I'm talking about the Fender Stratocaster and this is quoted from uh, wiki just uh, for those that don't know the Fender Stratocaster colloquially known as the Strat is a model of electric guitar designed from 1952 to 1954 by Leo Fender, Bill Carson, George Fullerton, and Freddie Tavares. The Fender Musical Instruments Corporation has continuously manufactured the Stratocaster since 1954. It is a double cutaway guitar with an extended top horn shape for balance. Along with the Gibson Les Paul, the Gibson SG, and the Fender Telecaster, or the Tele, it is one of the most often emulated electric guitar shapes. Stratocaster and Strat are trademark terms belonging to Fender. Guitars that duplicate the Stratocaster by other manufacturers are sometimes called S-Type or ST-Type guitars. The guitar introduced into the popular market several features that were innovative for electric guitars in the mid-1950s. The distinctive body shape, which has become commonplace among electric guitars, was revolutionary for the, first, for the time period. Excuse me, And for the first time, a mass-market electric guitar did not significantly resemble earlier acoustic models. The double cutaway, elongated horns, and heavily contoured back were all designed for better balance and comfort to play while standing up and slung off the shoulder with a strap. The three pickup design offered players increased versatility and choice in tone quality over earlier ones, and two pickup electric guitars and a responsive and simplified vibrato arm integrated into the bridge plate which marked a significant design improvement over the other vibrato systems, such as those manufactured by Bixby. All of these design elements were popularized and later became an industry standard due to the success of the Stratocaster. The Fender Stratocaster is one of the most iconic electric guitar models of all time. No argument there, right? Over the years, countless variations of the Stratocaster have been made. The modular nature of the guitar, with its easily removable components, left players and luthiers to perform numerous modifications to their own guitars, changing out pickups or necks to fit the needs of the player. Fender has released numerous models with a different pickup configuration and has made other small modifications to the electronics and components of the base model, such as changing the initial three-position selector switch to a standard five-position selector switch, offering more tonal variety as well as other small cosmetic changes to things like tuning pegs and types of woods used in various parts of the guitar. Various other companies have produced their own Strat style bodies known as Super Strats. Now I'm going to stop there. We, you know, we don't need to go down all of uh, history lane on this, uh, but I felt it was important to talk about the Fender Stratocaster and its significance, excuse me, um, to, you know, the guitar market today and to guitar players, uh, across the social media landscape. I constantly see this question. This question comes up every day from people getting into the guitar. They say, Hey, I'm looking to buy a guitar and I don't know what I want to start off with. Here are the guys I like, or here are the styles I like. Now, of course, with social media, you know, you have a million armchair quarterbacks that love to give their, Uh, The input and their advice, and a lot of it's pretty sound, uh, especially if you go to places like Reddit. The thing that's puzzling to me always are some of the suggestions out there because I have a different train of thought about this. Um, You know, people throw out there, oh, you're a starter, so you must begin with a starter guitar. By that rationale, you know, it's almost the same line of thinking is oh you're a beginning driver well if you're a beginning driver we need to go out and get you the cheapest piece of garbage you can drive now i realize a lot of that's dependent on you know people's budgets and whatnot in the automobile marketplace you know uh, your economizer vehicles your small cars um, are not you know in vogue right now Um, having these monstrosities on the road. That's what's in vogue, and that's what they're pushing. So they're eliminating um, those budget vehicles. Thankfully, in the guitar market, uh, that is not the case. Uh, They have something for everybody, for every budget. But here's my take. Save up the money first, and get yourself a good budget for something quality. Let's say $1,000. This is a good budget for a beginning guitar. It doesn't mean you need to spend a thousand dollars, but knowing that you have that buying power when you go walking into um, a guitar shop or you're going to a guitar swap or something like that is good because that means that you have a little bit of buying power and leverage and, um, and can certainly fish around for uh, a higher quality level guitar than, um, you know, especially if it's your first guitar. Now I read this all the time. Well, my budget tops is $400 and I need to be able to get my guitar and my amplifier for that amount. Can it be done? Certainly. However, I find that if you don't go with something quality right off the bat, and that includes your electric guitar and your amplifier, um, you're going to be disappointed later on. Now, what does this have to do with the Fender Stratocaster? If you look at the millions of iterations of instruments that you can go out into the marketplace and purchase right now, outside of the Les Paul and you know your um, semi hollow guitars and arch tops and this kind of thing, you know 99% of them are some version of the Stratocaster. So if you're a beginning guy or an intermediate guy, or even an advanced player, Um, you know, getting a quality American Strat, um, you know, for around the $1,000 range is achievable. And I guess what I'm getting at is value. The value that you get for purchasing a Fender American Stratocaster, in my opinion, is unparalleled. I feel that it, this is probably the biggest reason why the Fender Stratocaster, and the Telecaster, for that matter, have endured all these years. I mean, the value that you get for the instrument is amazing. And so for the Strat, um, you know, I feel that the world's greatest electric guitar is a fitting statement. Now, some folks out there, oh, you know, uh, I, I want to have, uh, you know, dual humbuckers in mind. I also want to put a Floyd Rose on it. Well, with the Stratocaster, you can do that. It's, um, you know, in the wiki article, it was talking about it being very modular. I feel the Fender Strat is the most modular guitar out there. Um, You know, I've upgraded mine. I have a Fender American Strat, uh, all rosewood neck, uh, amazing guitar. Um, Stock, it came with some really great sounding pickups. Um, I like my tone a little warmer, so uh, I got a. Seymour Duncan JB Trio set that I had installed, which, you know, for me gives me that warmth I'm looking for, you know, that humbucker tone, uh, but in the, uh, you know, the single coil format. And, uh, you know, if that's too much for you, you know, that's why you have a volume and a tone knob. You have to learn to work around those things. Another reason why I feel like the Fender Stratocaster in particular has endured, um, is because it's a very durable, well-made instrument. Uh, I'm not saying that you would do this, but or I would, but you could take your Stratocaster, um, drop it on the ground, pick it back up, and chances are you can probably still play it. I can't say that for a lot of other guitars that are made today, but with the Fender Strat, you can do this, or the Tele um, because of the way it's constructed, you know, the modular nature of it. If you didn't like the neck, you can find another neck and bolt it back on and and maybe that'll suit your fancy. Um, and in that regard, it's a really nice feeling because I've always been paranoid about owning really nice guitars over the years. I've whittled my collection down uh, to just a handful now. Um, because I didn't really need all that stuff and it's too easy to get wrapped up in the consumerism of this industry, which will eat you alive if if you know, if you have a, an addiction for that type of thing, like most of us do. Now here's another reason why I think it's endured is because of the tone, the, that single coil tone. Now I know I upgraded mine, but I'm just saying, You know your Strats have that signature single coil sound, uh, which is really pleasing. Uh, It's like honey on the ears, Uh, and if you pair it with the right amplifier, and in my opinion, I feel like um, one of the um, most amazing sounds you can listen to on the planet when it comes to this stuff is pairing your Fender Strat uh, with like a you know like a Fender Twin Reverb. the tremolo settings on a little bit of reverb um, just a little bit of grease or dirt you know to to get a little breakup man it it, there isn't many things that sound as good as that it's just such a great tone very uh, distinct so listen next time you're down at your you know your local guitar shop or if you have you're lucky enough to have several of them uh, you know, before you go and grab the uh, the guitar that has all the bling on it and uh, uh, you know is overpriced um, uh, and has a you know uh, this monstrosity of chrome and and inlay uh, work done on it, you know, uh, pick up a Fender American Stratocaster. Or even one of their, you know, Made in Mexico models. And uh, try a few of them out and plug them into a good quality amplifier. And, uh, you know, and play that thing and see what you think. You know, you might be surprised. I know some people are put off, oh, I don't like the, you know, the vintage Fender, trim, excuse me, vintage Fender trims. Um, but this is a segue into the feature artist or the artist spotlight I'm going to talk about today, which is Scott Henderson. Who has, with his playing, I've felt in recent years, uh, really taken the um, Stratocaster-style guitar um, into, you know, the beyondo zone. 1954, Scott Henderson is a highly regarded virtuoso who emerged in the 1980s with his legendary band, Travel Tech, and has since become one of the top guitarist composers in jazz fusion. Sc- Scott grew up in South Florida where he played blues rock and funk and was heavily influenced by Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, Jimi Hendrix, Richie Blackmore, and his favorite blues guitarist, Albert King. By the way, guys, I'm quoting this off of Scott's website, uh, which you can visit at scotthenderson.net. The article goes on to say, Even though Henderson began his career as a blues rock player, it was the influence of jazz that led him to the style of playing and composing that he's now famous for. Besides being a world-class player and premier composer, Scott's trademark is his beautiful tone and striking ability to blend jazz with rock and funk, creating a soulful and unique voice on the guitar. Scott studied arranging and composition at Florida Atlantic University, then moved to Los Angeles in 1980. He toured and recorded with Chick Corea's electric band, violinist Jean-Luc Ponty, and was pleased to get the opportunity to work for years with one of his favorite musicians, uh, Weather Report's Joe Zawinil. He recorded two albums with the Zawinil Syndicate, The Immigrants, and Blackwater. Henderson recorded 10 critically acclaimed albums with Tribal Tech, including the most recent Tribal Tech recording, uh, Tribal Tech X, which was released in March of 2012. In 2019, he he won both Best Guitarist and Best Electric Jazz Rock Contemporary Group artist in Jazz Times, excuse me, in the Jazz Times Reader's Poll. In 1991, Scott was named by Guitar World as the number one jazz guitarist, and in January 92, he was named the number one jazz guitarist and guitar player's annual Reader's Poll. His first solo blues album, Dog Party, a welcome retreat to his musical roots, won Best Blues Album of 1994 in Guitar Player Magazine. His next solo album, Tore Down House and Well to the Bone, paired Henderson with legendary vocalist Thelma Houston. Vibe Station, a favorite of mine by the way, was released in 2015, was listed by many music critics as one of the top 10 instrumental albums of the year. Henderson's latest and most accomplished work as a leader, People Mover, featuring Romain LeBay on bass and Archibald. Legionnaire on drums was voted Best Fusion Album of 2019 by Jazz Times Magazine. The trio has toured extensively throughout the world in over 70 countries, playing music from the solo albums as well as some of Henderson's music recorded by Tribal Tech. Scott has also released two albums with Vital Tech Tones, their trio collaboration with bass player Victor Wooten and former Journey drummer Steve Smith. Uh, Steve is also an accomplished Fuse drummer, and I highly recommend you listen to that stuff. Anyhow, in 2009, he began touring worldwide with the HBC Trio, featuring bassist Jeff Berlin and drummer Dennis Chambers. The first record, HBC, was released in October of 2012. Um, talk about monsters on tour, man. Jeff Berlin and Dennis Chambers, whoa. Anyhow, uh, the article goes on to say, as is often the case with a musician of Scott's caliber, the demand is great that he share his knowledge with the current generation of guitarists. He is on the faculty at Musicians Institute in Hollywood, where his open counseling sessions are some of MI's most popular. Scott has also written columns for Guitar Player Magazine and many other publications. Alfred Music has released Henderson's instructional DVD entitled Scott Henderson Jazz Rock Mastery and his first transcription book, The Scott Henderson Guitar Book. His other two transcription books, The Best of Scott Henderson and Scott Henderson Blues Guitar Collection, are available through Hal Leonard Publishing as well as his instructional book, Jazz guitar, excuse me, jazz guitar chord system, a revolutionary way for students to study uh, the pluralities of jazz harmony. Um, highly recommend you check out any of those books or anything involved with Scott, for that matter. I'm actually going to post a link to a very interesting video that I found where uh, Scott talks about tone. Um, And I found this to be incredibly enlightening. There's two videos I've come across on YouTube that really kind of nailed down the true meaning of tone and, and what that means to certain players. And I think in the broad sense, they both nail exactly what most people are shooting for most of the time. Um, But because they're being bombarded, this sensory bombardment of advertisements and, you know, this avalanche of gear and, you know, new models and so on and so forth, that people kind of miss sight of this type of thing. So I'm going to post a link to a video of Scott talking about how he gets his tone And I'm also going to release, release, I'm going to link a video of guitarist um, Joe Bonamassa talking about how he gets certain tones out of his Les Paul. Um, And uh, again, very enlightening stuff. I highly recommend you check it out. In terms of Scott's music, uh, my brother, who is a jazz guitar player, back in the day before he really went down that road and started getting into jazz fusion, um, I think his gateway drug, so to speak, for jazz was Frank Zappa. Um, So he kind of went into this mode of, of, of that and listening to that stuff. And I think when he started listening to jazz, it opened up his mind to other types of music. And one of the things that he was turned on to uh, was Tribal Tech, which seemed like, whenever I went to his house, uh, was on constant play, uh, specifically the albums Dr. He and Nomad. Just monster playing, and at that time I felt, um, you know, Scott was playing in an Ibanez, and uh, he had more of a frenetic style back then, very fast-paced, but that was probably because of the nature of the music. Um, However, if you go and listen to these two records uh, and then fast forward and listen to some of his more recent stuff, um, I wouldn't say he slowed down, but I think stylistically he's gone into a a different area of expertise. Um, But you know, if you go and listen to the music specifically those two albums, all the stuff's great. But I'm just saying, for me, some of my those are my favorites. Um, listen to some tracks off of there, and um, I believe you'll be amazed that there aren't many people on the planet who can play like that. And you know, the jaw-dropping portions of the songs. Um, I'm always amazed by uh, but also that incredible tone that he gets and uh, he got it back then and now he's got a different thing going on uh, which I feel is driven by his signature Sur uh, Strat style guitar which basically at the end of the day it's a Stratocaster with a few modifications that allow him to um, use the whammy bar in an unconventional, unconventional way very tasteful um, he uses it for vibrato. It's part of his repertoire, and uh, you know, if you, um, I'm trying to think about it, like vibe station's probably a good one. Um, check out his work there and listen to People Mover too. and And um, very nuanced playing, and it's part of his repertoire, and it's absolutely amazing. And his guitar tone, man, you know, if you could package that, boy, whoo. Now, on Electric Guitar Lives, I'm going to uh, post a picture I found of Scott back in the day. Uh, um, Another thing I want to add is that he's an incredible funk guitar player. He actually had a stint with a funk band back in the day. um, And he had the most amazing fro. And so that's the picture I'm going to post. But when you go and listen to his music and you listen to his funk playing Uh, which I feel is a big part of his music on a lot of his tunes. Man, there's some amazing work going on there. And, you know, I I felt like that time that he spent in that funk group and playing uh, helped him rhythmically. And he's able to really uh, color around in the space of those songs in a way that um, just never gets old, man. It's cool. and thanks for uh, tuning in to the Electric Guitar Lives podcast. I appreciate it. you spending some time with me today and uh, listening to my musings and ramblings about this industry. I know when I started the podcast, I wanted to talk about um, uh, some of my experience in this industry. You know, I've been in this industry for, you know, really since I was a kid, you know, uh, but in terms of professionally, I've been in this industry since the late nineties. So to start next week, I'm going to get more into some of those stories, um, um, you know, from the ground. um, And uh, I thought they might be entertaining. So I'll share a few and I'll start sharing some of those. Uh, Next week, we're going to be covering um, um, guitar phenom, Pablo Gilberto, Paul Gilbert, and the big three things I took away from attending his rock guitar school and, uh, and being a lifelong fan in general. And he's taken a really interesting arc from back in the day to what he was known for, to who he is today. And, uh, you know, the, this he's amazing. And his musicality is just through the roof, if you listen to his records and uh, his live playing, man. The guy's um, just a phenomenal guitar player and a really brilliant and gifted teacher as well. So we're going to be getting into that next week. I hope you tune in, and uh, I think we'll have a good time. We'll have some fun. And, um, you know, I'll try to get into more humorous things. I think it's better than, um, some of the news that's going on in this industry. I don't want to make it too product centric. So I hope you tune in next week again, uh, and spend some time with me. I appreciate it. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to the Electric Guitar Lives podcast with P. Williams, your weekly hang for all things guitar-related and more. Be sure to tune in next week for another exciting episode. And remember, have fun. See you next time. For more about this podcast and future episodes, be sure to visit electricguitarlives.com. Thanks again for listening.